Did you know that New Zealand is one of the most beautiful countries on earth? And did you know that New Zealand is known for its stunning national parks, dynamic Maori culture, incredible hiking trails, and yes, world-class skiing and surfing? Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon-Bennett, and I am joined, as always, by my dear friend, Dave Humberbatch. Dave, 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 we have a really, really exciting show today. We're going to go to New Orleans with our adventure travel guru, one Catherine Parker-Magyar. What do you think of that? That's fantastic. I really want to have a conversation with her, too, because... Apart from us talking about New Zealand, um, I just took my first trip <laughs> since COVID, and that was some experience. But how, how was your first, uh, I mean, I know uh, you, for personal reasons, you had to hop on an airplane. How was the, how was the experience? I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, getting well, on, I'm going to San Francisco in two weeks, so I just was curious. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Um, everyone had to wear a mask. Um, I had my wipes, of course. I got on the plane. I wiped the the tray table. I wiped the seat belts. <laughs> I wiped everything, and um, no one seemed, you know, no one thought it was a bit strange. Everyone seemed very comfortable. Um, we were fine. It was fine. As a matter of fact, I'm glad that I took the trip for several reasons. Um, it it has put me in a different zone. I had a lot of anxiety about traveling. Now I'm comfortable. Right. So I'm ready for, uh, you know, I'm ready for my next trip. Well, speaking of comfort, do you see what the hell's going on with American Airlines? You, that is, I don't want to say it's crazy, but, you know, folks still have an anxiety about, not just for the traveler, but for the pilots and the crew. I would imagine they also have some anxiety as well. Here's something I don't quite understand. They knew we were American Airlines, by the way, for those of you who don't know, has, has canceled one to two percent of their flights over the last week. We're heading into the Fourth of July weekend in a week and a half. We're actually recording this on the 22nd of uh, June. So they're canceling flights sometimes in advance because they don't. One of the reasons that they're canceling these flights is because they don't have enough crew. They don't have enough pilots to fly the planes. You know, I have often been very critical of the airline industry because it doesn't seem like they know what the hell they're doing, which is why their stock prices never seem to go anyplace. What the hell, man? Come on. You mean to tell me you couldn't anticipate coming out of COVID and not having enough crew? Is it? Is it because, I mean, and I don't know the answer. Is it because there's some anxiety among the pilots or crew, or is it that because of COVID they've taken up new jobs? It has nothing to do with COVID. I, I'm actually looking at an article on NPR right now. And one mm -hmm. of the things that American Airlines claims they did was they offered mm -hmm. early retirement and furloughs. To, and that and that was one of the reasons why oh, the shortage see. exists. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with COVID. It seems to me like, excuse my French, piss poor damn planning. Well, I mean, it opens up an opportunity for you. You were in the Air Force. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll go fly a plane. <laughs> Let me go fly. The um, only plane, I'll tell you, man, the only plane that I can fly are those little um, drones. That's the only plane <laughs> I can fly. Oh, you have a drone, man? You live pretty close to JFK. Don't be getting in that flight path. Nah. They, already, they already have enough problems with those birds getting in the way. That's true. Hey, um, another couple things uh, before we get Catherine in here. Um, 
Resort World Las Vegas, the big new mega resort that's opening on the Strip. It actually opens the 24th of June. So by the time this podcast airs, uh, it's going to be a pretty fantastic opening and with a lot of 4th of July fireworks and a lot of top mind celebrities. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am actually going to go to Resort World sometime next week unannounced and just get a lay of the land and stuff like that. So that'll be pretty exciting. And uh, lastly, if anybody has come to Vegas, buffets are a big deal here. Well, some of the buffets have started to reopen, but they've all changed because of COVID protocols. You know, when you go to the buffet line, you got your little hand in there, reaching there, right. touching all the food, everybody. Well, they've changed all of that. So Caesars Palace actually has opened their buffet just this week. Uh, I'm actually going to get a reservation. You have to get reservations for their buffet, but you just can't walk in anymore. So I'm actually going to get a reservation next week. I'm going to go through the process myself, and then I'm going to write uh, my own review of it. And uh, just to let you know what to expect at the buffet line. What are the new protocols for that, though? You said they have changed. What what have they changed to? Or what have they? Well, first of all, the the biggest change. Yeah, the biggest change is the reservation system. The second okay. thing is, is that you will no longer be getting your plates from you know, you're sticking your hand in there, getting the food from the serving station. They actually have, from what I've been told, they actually have servers at each station who will put the food on the plate for you. Okay. So those are some of the changes. Now, I um, I don't want to get out over my skis on this, but I'm going to be curious to see what happens when I go there in person. And I'm not telling anybody. I'm just going to go. I just, like a regular tourist, I'll pay for it out of my own pocket and just to see what it's like. Because we we still have some buffets in Vegas that are still closed. So this this will be an interesting experiment because these hotels and casinos on the Strip in particular depend on their buffet revenue. So it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to find out Mm -hmm. how that works. Anyway, let's get on with today's show. Um, Before we get started, our little uh, announcements as we always do. Uh, You can catch TripCast 360 on virtually every podcast platform known to man. But the best best place to catch it is on our website at tripcast360.com. So you should uh, uh, invite your friends, subscribe, follow us, do all that great stuff that we do on the online space. Um, and like I said, we're on every platform from I, from uh, iTunes to Google to Spotify to iHeartRadio. So please um, like and follow us and subscribe. And uh, if you have any suggestions about future episodes or things you'd like to hear uh, on our podcast, you can always email us at contact at tripcast360.com. And um, just as a, an aside, we're also going to open our own store pretty soon on our website. And I'm not going to give away the details because as I, as I alluded to in previous episodes, it is a massive undertaking, even larger than I expected. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's still a work in progress, but we will let you know. And uh, Dave, why don't you hit them up with our social media stuff? Yeah, but we want you to come to our website, as Michael said, because we are we are consumer friendly platform as well. We we um, we actually thinking about white labeling some of our products, and you can come to the website, you can purchase those. But yes, we're on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And when you go there, follow us, like us, message us. And tigers do all the things that you would be that would really keep you updated to what we're doing, the new products we're bringing out, and you know, and so on. Cool, cool, cool. Well, let's jump into today's episode. As I mentioned at the top, we are going to take a trip to New Zealand with one of our favorite people. Yeah. Uh, she she is now family. She's my sister. 
she actually is the headliner for our adventure travel section on the homepage of our website. And uh, we are talking about none other than Catherine Barkamagia, who has been so gracious with her time. And um, we really like having her on our show. She's a daredevil. And you're going to find out <laughs> some of the things that this woman does <laughs> as we start yeah. talking to her, because uh, she, she's not afraid of heights. She's not afraid of water. Uh, I don't think she's afraid of white sharks or anything else. So, Catherine, welcome to Dripcast 360. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be here again. It's always so fun. Well, yeah, Kat- Catherine, I've never been, I've never visited New Zealand, and it remains on my bucket list of places that I really, really want to visit. You've been there. Uh, just give us an overall view of New Zealand, and then we will start to dig deeper into its rich culture and explore all that awaits me when I finally get the opportunity to go there. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think New Zealand is on a lot of people's bucket list. And I think even more so recently, pre-COVID, I think it was definitely having a moment. And I mean, now, you know, we're in the dark times, but it's funny because, and you know, as a travel writer, you think, you know, when some places get popularized, particularly for Americans, they're somewhat, you know, reasonably within distance. like. Portugal, Iceland, Peru, I think have been really hot. You can get there. New Zealand, I think, you know, it's so far away, but it feels far away. Like it deserves to be on your bucket list. Like if Galapagos, if the Galapagos are all about like the wildlife that you see, and like we did a whole episode on that, then I feel like New Zealand is about like the wildness. You know what I mean? Like there's so much space, but also just you know, only, only Lord of the Rings could be filmed in New Zealand, you know, like they call it the real middle earth, like only like a wrinkle in time would exist in New Zealand, you know, where it truly feels, it's a totally different type of beauty. And it does feel very magical. And beyond that, like the Kiwis, the local people I find to be really friendly, but also the Maori culture is just like super, it's just super for, and obviously the struggle with, you know, how to have like a 2021 society that it fully accounts and is inclusive of indigenous peoples is difficult all over the world. But I have to say just visiting and like some of the experiences that I had where I got to visit these heritage sites and just seeing how Maori culture is just such a huge part of that. It is New Zealand culture. It's really unique and really cool and beautiful and made me want to explore more of, you know, just larger Polynesia, but it's just very... And then, you know, this is a place where birds ran the world. You know what I mean? Like the birds were the dominant predator. Like birds were walking on the ground. Kiwis are birds that just were just like chill on the ground. They couldn't even fly. Flightless birds. Very humble country to name themselves after that. But like, it's it's almost like this land that it just feels very untouched, which is a word that is so often used, particularly in travel. Oh, it's so untouched. But truly, like humans, like humans didn't really get to New Zealand. Like the earliest, it's millions of years later, you know? And I'm like, well, maybe we needed that extra time to like let the land develop and not tarnish it as much, but it's amazing. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the Maori culture because it is such an integral part of New Zealand culture, mm-hmm. influencing everything from its cuisine and customs to its language. Totally. It's, that was one of the first things that I did was I, you know, I landed in um, Hawke's Bay and I went to Otatara Pa, which is like essentially the Machu Picchu of the Maori, of um, Maori culture, where it's like, it's a historic reserve. And 
the first, so I was greeted with song by my guides who are amazing. One of them was actually one of the first representatives in local business in Napier, like in government. She's very cool. And so her husband, it looked really Scottish. And I guess he was a professional football player. I'm actually, they're, they're really inspiring. And he was like, this is what a Maori looks like, but he's Maori, you know? And then they sang a song for me. And then they're like, okay, now you sing for us. Like a song that represents you. And I sang Bruce, I sang Bruce Springsteen's The River, which is essentially <laughs> about like a high school dropout construction worker who gets his girlfriend pregnant and leads a life of misery. But I was like, I'm from New Jersey. And they were like, oh, that was beautiful. But it was just so, it was it was great because, and I always say this, when I was like, sign up for the tour. Like, I know that it's like, people are like, I want to go explore my own thing, but you need context because Otatara Pa is, is beautiful, but like, it's green and lush, but you need context for like the history of the place. Like it's a 60, 650 year old village site. It's like the largest, most fortified village in New Zealand, et cetera. But it's, there is their spiritual properties. I've, we've, I've been on this podcast with you guys before. You know, I feel like you can find like spirituality in nature. At least I can. It's like going, yeah. you know, the wilderness, no church in the wild, church in the wild for me, whatever. I was like, this is amazing. And then I was told that Joe Walsh, who's like the main guy in the Eagles, was struggling with like drinking and addiction. And then he visited Otara Pa and he had an epiphany and he saved his life. And he still goes back there and makes pilgrimages there, which is like today. It's fascinating. But yeah, it is. That's something that was really a huge, at like a huge point of my entire trip. And that, and also, you know, pre pre-humanity New Zealand's like pre also pre, pre also like pre-white settlers honestly because cats and dogs are disrupting you know that as they do the natural ecosystem I think I talked to you about how um, the Galapagos they're trying to get rid of them the New Zealand like prime minister she wanted she wants to get rid of like all domesticated house pets and I'm like only in New Zealand you know but they take nature seriously they take the history seriously the wildlife and it's great and they're and it's also so vast and I mean, I remember I was like perched on, in a parking lot at this winery, just randomly. I was like texting someone on my phone and this car like almost pulled into the spot where I was sitting. She was like, we're in New Zealand. Like there are, there's land for days. Like, why are you here? Like, it's true that there's space. It's wide open spaces. Oh, wow. The, you mentioned something when you were, uh, to, when uh, Dave asked you the first question about the Polynesian culture cultural influence. I don't think a lot, a lot of people always associate New Zealand with being more like Australia. Yeah. But, but because of where New Zealand sits geographically, we get that connection, but that Polynesian uh, influence, you don't think about New Zealand and Polynesia. Yeah, you don't. And it's interesting too, because like Hawaii isn't like necessarily Polynesia, but there's more similarities between that culture, between New Zealand and for like travelers who've been to Hawaii than there is between New Zealand and Australia for that reason. But yeah, people don't think of it that way. And I also, when I was talking to my I'm like, do we call this Polynesia? Because I think when people think Polynesia, they think French Polynesia, they think Bora Bora, you know, they don't think New Zealand. And yeah, you can't, I mean, I think Australia is pretty spectacular too. I love Australia. I'll get into how I visit Australia and not New Zealand by a fluke, poor decision in college where I decided to <laughs> high school, I decided to go home early to party with my friends and miss the New Zealand portion of a trip with my family. But yeah, people are like, don't compare us, which I mean, I get, but I'm also like, you guys are like out here at the bottom of the world. You know, you guys are next to each other. You know what I'm saying? But right. 
there is, there are definitely, there are definitely major differences. And I think honestly, one of, one of the major differences though, too, that impacts is like, and I love Australia and people aren't their governments. And like, you really, after living under Trump, you know, I really have to, people realize that, but the treatment of Aboriginal people in Australia versus, and obviously treatment in New Zealand and Maori people, it's not perfect. And I think that for me, I was like, oh my God, because I was so, because I think in America, we struggle. Like there's an Native American Tourism Association. Do you know what I mean? Like I work in travel writing and I'm always trying to like write about specific, because growing up, I would visit a lot of reservations and different museums and cultural centers with my family, but there's not, there's not a unified branch that's giving money to people to profit off of it. And I'm always really amazed when I go to countries and I shouldn't be amazed. This should be part of the dialogue, but like Canada and New Zealand, I'd say are the best where like you've got the indigenous tourists and association. And then in New Zealand, it's almost just like, well, Maori culture is our, is a part, it is like integral to our culture. So there's just a way of honoring it that yeah, in Australia, it's so sad still what's happening, you know, or what's happened as of recently. Yeah. So that's one key difference. Yeah. And ongoing still. All right. Let's let's delve into the your journeys through us or uh, through New Zealand. My apologies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Let's start with the three hundred and sixty degree view of Hawks Bay. Oh my God! Yeah. So basically, land in Napier, and I really recommend like my trip was like two weeks long, I think, or a little under two weeks long, and I explored both islands, and I was it was a road trip. So, and people are like, can you really road, like road tripping in New Zealand is amazing. Highly recommends. To be fair, I nicked my car a little bit. Cause like, you really have to focus on which side of the road you're driving. Couple, couple close calls. And then I hit treehouse a little bit, but I survived. Everyone is fine. All that being said though, <laughs> I'm a horrible driver. I literally was like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but best, best country for road tripping. And also, but then people I think can get torn up. Like, do I want to do North Island or South Island? But Air New Zealand, like fly Air New Zealand there anyway, it's part of the experience. They have multi-island stops. Like you can, you can arrange for your trip to include stops in both islands. So I started in the North Island, ducked down to the South Island, went back to the North Island to fly home. And if you're coming from America, you're going to be flying into North Island. Hawks Bay is like basically on like the East Coast of the North Island. And it's like almost to me, it almost felt like a Napa Valley meets with like Carmel in terms of like really beautiful, like blue oceans and then just vineyards. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I stayed glamping is big every sort of like I glamped in New Zealand. I feel like if you're going to glam glamp in New Zealand, cause it is, it is, is glamorous. Like it's nice. At the end of the day, you just, you're coming off of like a, how long of a flight. I didn't want to pitch a tent. Do you know what I mean? But I stayed at Clifton at this place, Clifton glamping. And so it's like basically like on um, these like hills that are like overlooking the Pacific. And I was staying in this like beautiful little cottage. And then I went wine tasting at, um, well, then I went on the, then I went to Odatara Pa, which is the um, Maori tribe I told you about. And then that part of New Zealand is great because it's like also the wine region. And I love Sauvignon Blanc is a basic white girl, unfortunately, but that is their specialty is Sauvignon Blanc in that area. So unlike being a wine tasting where you're suffering through some Cabernet Sauvignon, you're not into it. I really, it's the best. So yeah, that was a cool place to start. It was also like, I, it's like Napier, which is where like I would, I went after I went glamping, I stayed is like a very nifty, I can't believe I use that term, a very unique town where it's like very art deco. It's like the art deco capital of the world. Like I say in the art deco Masonic hotel. 
Like, and it's on the water. It's, it's just like, it's funny because I was like, what does this remind me of? But I'm like, this could maybe be like a, like a Napa if it was a surf town. It was so, it's, it's very distinct and cool. I reckon I, and it's people I think go crazy for the South Island over the North Island because they're like, the South Island is wilder. And everyone's like, oh, you like, before I went, people who'd been or people who hadn't even been were like, oh, are you going to be on the South Island at all? Almost as if it was like a test, like, oh, are you really going to New Zealand? And I felt the North Island wasn't getting enough respect. So I want to call out that the North Island's pretty amazing too. And that uh, is where I started. You, you have, uh, I know you well enough to know by now that you don't like staying at big resort properties and stuff like that. Did you get a chance when you were in Napier to stay more local? Uh, how, how did you navigate your accommodations there? So where I stayed the first night, Clifton Glamping is like family owned. Like it's literally this like estate that they pretty, that they set up. And that's the same thing that I did in um, Wanaka, which is my favorite part of New Zealand. And actually like my favorite, second favorite place in the world. I, I was glamping on this person's property and she invited me in for dinner and we had a great time. So yeah. And the Art Deco Masonic Hotel was cool because it was like very unique to Napier. It's almost like, I sometimes feel like when you're going, I want to do the thing you're supposed to do in the place you're supposed to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm in Hawaii, I want to, I want to surf, you know, if I'm in Nepal, I want to hike. Although there's more to do in both those places, but it feels like Napier is such like sort of an art deco hotspot that you might as well just lean in and act like you're a character in a Fitzgerald film. Or book, a Fitzgerald book, look at me, erasing literary history. <laughs> yeah. But most of the places I stayed at actually were locally, were more boutique and locally owned. I didn't find it to be, I know we talked and particularly with the Bahamas, we talked about how sometimes you feel, but there are really amazing places in the Bahamas, shout out Compass Point. But sometimes in various places, like in, the, in Mexico too, or different areas can be swallowed by too many all-inclusive properties. but. I think because, you know, you're in, people live in these towns, like even Wanaka, which is more of a resort town, like people live there year round. So it's not, I didn't find that to be as much of a struggle, to be honest, in New Zealand at all. Um, Okay. Let's move on from Hawks Bay to Wellington. Yes. Okay. Wellington reminds me a lot of like San Francisco. So it's mm. really cool. It's like where I was like, I say at this place called Otel. It's right on the water. It's really walkable. It's like, like San Francisco meets Seattle. Okay. Yes. Ask. But like, I, I feel like there's no real way to describe how beautiful New Zealand is. Cause even in pictures, you're like, oh, it looks green. Or do you know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. no, it's almost, but if people have been to like Marin County, outside of San Francisco, like sauce, like Sausalito, those areas, that's like a lot of the energy that I, that you get in the North Island on the coast. Right. Um, we went, and then I went to Zealandia, which is like the sanctuary for wildlife. And basically I was kind of, I'm kind of obsessed with the birds in New Zealand. Like I was honestly writing stories about birding destinations after this trip. Cause I was like, these birds are insane, but you have like you, it's amazing the history of New Zealand and how it evolved. Like there were no like predators for these birds. So it was just like a bird paradise and these crazy creatures live there that don't make any sense, you know, that are huge, like, like dinosaurs. And now there's all of this like dedication on behalf of Kiwis and the government to restore that natural environment as much as possible. So you get sanctuaries like Zealandia that are just super 
lush and cool. And yeah, that was like a naturalist experience, which I recommend. And then like my favorite, um, my favorite part was actually the next day. Um, when we went to out to like Papadi Islands, um, which is, I know we're talking about Maori culture. Like this was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. This island is paradise. Like, so you, I drove from Wellington. It's like an hour and a half drive. Maybe you, then you take a boat across the island. Right. And it's a natural reserve, but it's also like this amazing place for like human history. Like it's like the family owns this island, and it's like, I was adopted by another Maori family who was traveling from another part of, they were coming from like somewhere where they're like, you're not coming here. Are you insane? I forgot what part, somewhere in the North Island. Cause there are so many great places to go in New Zealand. You kind of have to accept you're not going to go to all of them. And I was traveling by myself, took me in, went on hikes and then like went and like had lunch, had drinks and just it's people have to go. Cause it's one of the most visually beautiful places I've ever seen. But also it's like, this is a family that like the land has been preserved by the government. This is always going to be Maori land. This is always going to be in their family's land. And now it's open to public as a nature reserve for people to visit. So that and Wanaka were like, it's really hard to pick favorites, but yeah, that's what I did. And also from there, like that was my like one, two stop in the North Island. Cause then from there I flew down to Queenstown. Oh, okay. Um, now what time of year did you go to New Zealand? I went in October. It was amazing. But I have to say, I was supposed to go heli hiking in, um, in Franz Joseph Glacier, but I couldn't go because of the weather. So if you're like looking to do something insane like that, maybe check it out. But like, I was definitely not there in high season. It was like a little bit weirdly brisk, but not actually not at all. I mean, I was glamping. I was sleeping outside. It was fine. Um, I'm trying to actually think because I feel like just my own travel knowledge has gotten rusty, rusty after a year of literally not traveling. I'm like, when was high season? Cause I know I visited Australia in the summer and it was cold. So it was almost like the brink before New Zealand summer. I was in like, I was in spring at that point, I guess for them. Right. Right. Yeah. That would have been spring yeah. for them. Yeah. And I recommend it. I mean, the thing is with New Zealand is that the thing that's so prohibitive is the flight. The cost of the flight is just a lot that a lot of people are like, I'm not going to spend that chunk of money, particularly if you're not going by yourself, you're going with other people. But, and I like said this because I wrote about it like during COVID a bit, like if you can lock in your flight, there's no real wrong time of year to visit New Zealand because like, if you like the winter time in New Zealand is beautiful too. And you can now get these insane deals because the airlines industry is like, well, whenever, basically you can reserve your flight to New Zealand now and then use it when you can go. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend. And you were there in, um, you were there in October, you said, right? I was there October, 2019. And I went to Nepal right after that, which was insane. I did New Zealand, Nepal. And I was like, I'm going to go right from New Zealand to Nepal. I actually scheduled my Nepal trip. I was like, I'll go right after New Zealand. I had to Mm -hmm. fly like Magellan back to New York to go back (laughs) to the other side of the world. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. I went in the fall of 2019 and it's funny. I'm so happy that because I was supposed to go earlier and I'm happy it happened before COVID because that it really is 
it really was like such a revelation. And it is like, there's just so much to see that I remember leaving. And I think that you just have to accept this, like in a place like New Zealand, where it's not that it's huge and it's like, you can't see everything. It's more like there are all these different, like the fjords and all these different things you want to experience that, you know, realistically. And I got in, I went to seven places and I'm like, oh God, I like missed out on so much. Yeah. So if you were there in October, I read, I read somewhere there. They say from June to October that snow transforms the alpine landscapes into a winter wonderland. And I guess what they were referring to was the skiing and snowboarding. Did you get an opportunity to do any any of that? Because I know you're very adventurous. No, I was going to do the whole, I was going to go heli hiking on the West Coast, which is like the West Coast of the South Island, which like kind of has the reputation as almost like you know, the Westerners out here are like, oh, like those people are like kind of hicks, but they're cool. Do you know what I mean? They're not hicks, but they're like wild. They're rugged. And definitely like the drive, I guess I'm skipping ahead, but the drive from Wanaka, the South Island's insane. The drive from Queenstown to Wanaka, Wanaka reminds me of Wyoming, of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Like it is the closest I've ever seen anything like it. The snow-capped mountains, the insane lakes. But yeah, there was there wasn't a ton of snow until I went out to the West Coast and then there was a hailstorm. And all my plans got canceled because the weather can be unpredictable, but it was pretty balmy. And, but honestly, I have to say, I just got back from the Maldives and I was like, when's wet season? And they're like, actually, it's usually right now, but we haven't had rain. And they're like the last three years, it's been in December, which is their dry season. I just think that the climate around the world is like having a moment. You can, you can quote that in in the news. Catherine Parker Mayer says she thinks the climate around the world is having a moment. Yeah, along with climate change is currently happening. What was that heli, what they call it, heli hiking? What was that heli hiking experience like? Because I, um, from what I've read and what I heard, I heard it's spectacular. Can you, yeah, can, you, yeah. can, you share, can you share that experience? I, I couldn't do it because the, the helicopters wouldn't, couldn't fly, but you're supposed to fly oh, they couldn't. the top okay. of this glacier. And then the pictures and like that was going to be, I mean, I ended up with more than enough stories. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But that was going to be a major story. Like I went mm-hmm. heli-, heli hiking for the first time in this glacier. And like the Franz Joseph Glacier is kind of legendary, but I wasn't able to go, which was kind of, I mean, I was sad, but then I was staying in this place called the Rainforest Retreat. Like I was in this little bungalow and like, you're in the rainforest. And it was sort of like, oh, okay, I'm going to be in my robe today. You know, it was just given like a lazy <laughs> moment. I went swimming in the glacier pools, but yeah, it was, I couldn't do the activities I wanted to do on the West right. Coast because of the time that I was visiting. So if right. you do want to do some of that stuff, like, and when I say that stuff, I mean, you can do adventure, adventurous activities in other parts, but like the West Coast is a lot, the weather, the weather pattern there is a lot more volatile. Like it's just, you know, it's the rainforest. So that was a key takeaway of mine. Like yeah. if you want to probably hike. Yeah, I want to touch on something you just mentioned too. So we've kind of skipped ahead. We skipped Queenstown, which we'll come back to in a minute because yeah. we're, we're in Wanaka right now. But you mentioned glaciers. And the reason I brought that up is I remember when I was in Alaska, a lot of the glaciers had melted. Or like the Mindenhall Glacier, which is outside of, I believe, Juneau, it's about a, you know, one tenth of what it was, you know, just 20 years ago. Is the same thing happening in New Zealand? Or were they able to tell you what's happening with their glaciers down there? So there are like 3,000 glaciers in New Zealand. 
And I think that like the most dramatic one is Franz Joseph, which is what I was supposed to heli hike. And obviously like climate change is like affected every element, but I actually wasn't like, they actually, because I wasn't able to experience those glaciers as much, I didn't learn as much about it on the trip. Do you know what I mean? Like versus like the birds and the lakes and the trees and getting rid of domestic cats. The people that who would have been like up there, like climbing through the ice with me were like, we were all landlocked, but it was, I mean, it is interesting. And I, and I was thinking about that too, because I remember in Peru, when I was in Peru, I saw like the last, one of the last glaciers in South America and, or in Peru, one of the, I'm sure someone's going to write in and be like, there are more, there's more than that. But one of the, it was like a distinct subtropical, but in New Zealand, there are still 3000. And it's also like, if you think about it too, I would be interested in learning more about if they're not as affected because of their positioning on the planet. But that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm not sure the answer to. Yeah. I, I was just curious because you, you know, um, the, the, we were, you know, you and Dave were just talking about the uh, climate change that's going on around the world. And, you know, New Zealand is known for its natural beauty, but people don't understand how far South New Zealand yeah. is. They're not that far from Antarctica. And no. um, you would kind of expect that there would be some glaciers in the area. So I just, it was just a point of personal privilege. I just wanted to kind of. Oh me. yeah. There are a ton. <laughs> there, there are very many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wanaka was, Wanaka looks like heaven. I can't, it's like, I think that when you think of New Zealand, like if you're thinking, I don't know, cause actually there are several iconic images I think that come to mind when people think of, of New Zealand, maybe, but you know, like the mountains, like the rolling mountains, the valleys, the lakes, like Wanaka is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in the world, in the world, mm-hmm. golden fields. I stayed at Criffle station, which is owned by like the bell family, Mandy bell, who I befriended. We had gin and tonics up at this little place. And then she had me for dinner and then they pretty much, I love, it was a really great time. And she was, I remember her husband was like, so like, why does every American I meet hate Trump? And why is Trump president? Which is the question I've been asked all over the country during that time period in my life. Oh my God. But then I remember someone, and at one point someone was like, I don't think America is going to be like, you know, China is going to replace, it's not going to be a global superpower. And I was like, I literally don't care anymore. Like, I just want like, a, like not to have a despot as like our president. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh my God, so many people. I guess, when did I visit? October 2019. I don't know why. I guess it was just, I think it was just traveling while American under Trump, which is its own book. But really long aside. If you could only go one place, I would go to Wanaka. Like, I feel guilty saying, but I don't. Like, it's, it's, it's magical. And it's sort of like a mountain town, ski town. But then a lot of people in New Zealand are sheep farmers. And I remember before I went to New Zealand and there are more sheep than people, right? And when I was like looking at my itinerary of what I was doing, I was like, God, all these sheep farmers, I hope they're doing okay. They like are doing very okay. They're like on stations and they just live this great life where they're sort of just shearing their sheep you know, then they're skiing and swimming and it's just, it's, it's idyllic. And it looks like Jackson Hole. The reason I say it looks like Jackson Hole is because you've got this valley in the center of this ring of mountains, but it's even tighter than, um, like in Jackson Hole, in Jackson, or if people have been to Grand Teton National Park, or it's, it's even more dramatic than that. Um, or if people like, like, yellow, if you like Yellowstone, if you like the American West, at all, which I think people 
I mean, it's hard not to, if you like the mountain West, it's, I think almost like a platonic ideal of like the mountain West, but in New Zealand. So it's even more insane and driving in the South Island. Wow. Like that was almost like my favorite parts of the trip, even though you have to watch out for the speeding limits because like you'll be going, there'll be no one else on the road for two hours. You're thinking it's 60. And then it's like, there was like a speed limit of 20 miles an hour just between like weird towns. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Just be uh, aware uh, if you're driving on the South Island. Are the, are the roads a little dicey because of the terrain? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. But worth it. But so I drove from, from Queenstown to Wanaka was like pretty chill. You know, you're going up a mountain, you're going down a mountain. Wanaka, Wanaka to the West Coast, which like Mandy and everyone was like, oh, that's a great drive. Oh, but like, you know, get up or like drink a lot of coffee. It was sleeting at one point. I'd be remiss not to mention that Taylor Swift's new album had just come out or like recently-ish out to the point that Air New Zealand's, Air New Zealand's, if anyone has listened to this podcast and has flown Air New Zealand recently, I need to know immediately, if not sooner, if they still play Lover by Taylor Swift at takeoff. <laughs> and when you land, it's like, you're mad, Lover. And I asked someone and they're like, oh, we just love the song. It was hilarious. But so I remember like driving through sleet and. Oh my God. And you, I couldn't see where I was going. Yeah. You have to go slow. But like, when I tell you it's worth it, I mean, the views are insane. I, I feel it's just very dramatic. You know, it's like views that you would drive to in America. You're driving through in New Zealand. You know, it's just, it's like number one song after number. It's like the Rolling Stones in their heyday is them with those vistas. That's what's going on. And it's, but it's worth it. It's dangerous for sure. Be safer than me. So you, you've actually, I've reached a stage in my life now where I don't want to drive that much anymore. I would assume, I would prefer to let somebody else do the driving because I have a yeah. tendency when I drive to want to take in the views and the scenery, which means oh, yeah. your eyes are not on the road. And if you're driving down the side of a mountain, it's not exactly a pretty thing to be doing. So yeah. Um, yeah. when I get yeah. to New Zealand, uh, I'm putting this out there now for you uh, guys. I'm hiring a driver. Uh, sign up at Dave Cumberbatch's website. You'll figure <laughs> us out. <laughs> Hire a driver that you can be buddies with them. Cause that's the one thing I feel lucky as a travel writer, but also like, even like when I'm not traveling for a writing assignment, I feel like it's always number one priority to make friends. Like, I feel like you need friends for context. You need locals for context. You need some sort of, but it's funny. I don't love to travel alone. And everyone's like, Oh, because technically, I mean, to get existentially, you're always alone. Even if you're with other people, you know, the only, con- the only constant in all the countries I'm going to is myself. But New Zealand was much more of a solo trip than I'm, than I'm used to in the sense that, which was great, but like I was driving alone through these things and I had this revelation, this epiphany, you know, I didn't get sober. I don't know that I need to, not, not like Joe walking <laughs> the Eagles, but I was like cruising and I went to like, this was, I had a couple of epiphanies. One was in the West coast where I was like, I like myself. And that's such a weird thing to say. Do you know what I mean? But it was like, I've been by myself now. Like I had like when I was social, like really social, but you know, if you're with your own thoughts on the other side of the world, driving on the wrong side of the street, you know, on a Tuesday at 11, 11 AM hail's coming. It's, you know, it's, it can be a contemplative thing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. it was calming and beautiful. And it's also like New Zealand's very safe to travel in particularly like as a solo woman, like I, you don't have to really worry about it about as much, but I think it's almost a great, place to do solo travel and to road trip because those there is something there's something really magical about it and i don't and you you're out there in the wilderness like i don't love solo this is maybe unpopular i don't love solo travel in urban places i'm like i want to be with a group i want to party like i want to go to dinner like i don't i don't need to be in a crowded bar by myself with a martini judging but like i'm totally fine 
you know, be it like being on a glacier, looking out at the mountains. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, so, totally, totally get it. Another element of this trip that I was really excited about was the fact that like New Zealand's, if not invented, perfected bungee jumping. Like literally and <laughs> said to me when I got back, he was like, it just looks like New Zealand was just like all about jumping off things, which is like kind of true. Like literally like really insane and innovative bungee operations. But I really wanted to do this because I wanted to do a story on how like I went bungee jumping for the first time when I was 16. I think I told you guys this in Japan. It was the most terrifying moment of my life. I didn't understand anything they were saying to me. They thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. And I lived. But I remember being like, that was terrifying. And then hearing, oh, bungee jumping is scary because you are the one propelling yourself off the cliff. Like at least with skydiving, someone's taking, you know what I mean? Like you have to actually leap forward. So I was like, great. I'm going to do this in Queenstown. AJ Hackett, bungee. Highly recommended. Highly. They also take a video of you, which like is amazing because I mean, you... I look like a rag doll that's being plummeted. It's crazy. But so you're up there like this. You're up there suspended in the air. And then you swoop down over a canyon. And I wasn't scared. And then I'm like, do I not value my life? Another epiphany. Because <laughs> you know what I mean? Then I, I did a skywalk, which was in Auckland, where you walk along the side of a, this like really oh, high building. We're, we're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and you can lean off the building. And I was chilling, hanging off the building. And then I was like, I got to jump. So I went downstairs. I was like, I think I'm going to do the jump as well. And it was just chill. I'm like, what? Like, I don't, I think, well, I did just tear my ACL. So maybe I'll think I'm mortal, but I don't think I'm mortal. I don't, or I just don't care. But yeah, New Zealand bungee, like if you're sort of a daredevil, like they will find ways to accommodate you a hundred percent. But what I just want to mention really quickly in Napier, because that's where I did the, we'll get there with the, um, excuse me, Auckland. We'll get there with the skywalk. There is a place called Piha Beach, Piha Beach, that I had a religious epiphany at. I had some sort of awakening. I literally, and unlike other people, and maybe people will be like, oh, well, you didn't really, if like you were posting stories, but like when I see something, I say something. So I'm literally taking a video of this beach. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you know, someone's losing it when it's like, okay, we've seen eight pictures of the sky, but the sun was setting. You feel so small. I was meeting other people on the beach, like this. And New Zealand dry, draws a lot of wanderers. Do you know what I mean? Or like, he was like, I came here for this, but I'm still sort of here. And I'm just meeting these wonderful people. And I was looking at the sun setting and I felt so at peace. And my friend's best, like literally texted me and was like, are you at Piha Beach? I, I had an awakening there. She had a spiritual epiphany there too. Wow. Like two years ago. It's, but it's so, it's, it's so beautiful. You feel so small. I can't explain it. And this, it's just crazy. So go to, go to P, I can't believe I've said now three times, Piha Beach, Wanaka and Cap, and Kapiti Islands. And yeah. Okay. And we're in, we're in, we, we actually, Dave and I actually live vicariously through you. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I made a promise several years ago. I'm kind of a daredevil like you. I do stupid things sometimes to jump off of buildings or out of airplanes. And I had to promise people I wouldn't do that anymore because everybody was kind of fearful for my own life. We live that through you now. You know, oh, my God. Yeah. I, well, I don't do stuff like that anymore. Well, I honestly was probably my life was probably more at risk when I was behind the wheel. I <laughs> think truly. That's <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, at least I've got other people looking over me. I told, you not, to, I told you not to drink those gin and tonics while you were driving oh down the side of a mountain. Literally, it's just, yeah. But how you were saying when you were like, yeah, yeah. I actually was really, I was like, 
really paranoid that I was going to get into an accident because it's so, it, you don't get fully used to driving. I just would never turn onto the road unless I saw other cars were going in a specific direction because you've just got such a gut instinct. But it's somewhat is distracting. I was taking videos while I was driving. I'm lucky I'm alive, but it's, I actually <laughs> recommend it. It was, it was beautiful. So much of what I'm reading about New Zealand refers to Wanaka. There's a Wanaka <laughs> tree. Everything is Wanaka, Wanaka cruises. What's, what's the history or the significance or, or the origins of Wanaka that so much, so many things you do refers to Wanaka? So it's like in the, this like dialect in the South Islands. Oh, it's like yeah. Wananga. Uh-huh. It comes from that. And that means like a sacred knowledge, like a place of learning, like an enlightenment almost, I would mm-hmm. say. So you just see that everywhere. Like there are a lot of, and I don't have like my entire notebook ahead of me, but there are a lot of different like words that come from that have Maori origins or um, different origins in the islands that, that, you know, persist now today. Like Wanaka is a place, it's a lake, it's, it's almost like when I found out the safari means journey in Swahili, my mind was entirely blown. Like, of course it means journey, you know, but right. I, I known that because I'd only known it as safari. Bar hopping seems to be very popular there. And you know, that's my thing. You know, I'm always, I'm always mm-hmm. talking about the adult beverages. Did oh, you, yeah. <laughs> did you get the opportunity to go bar hopping? Oh my God. Yes. Well, in Wanaka, I was now everyone's saying the espresso martinis are back, but for me, they never went away. Mm-hmm. Wanaka is like a million espresso martinis, but I was also there during like a all blacks match an all blacks game. Where was I? I'm trying to remember what, what city I was in. I think I was in Auckland. And, and for those of you who don't know, all blacks isn't referring to black people. It's referring to their rugby team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their rugby team. I think I was in Auckland and it was just mayhem. It was mayhem. I think they lost. I mean, I, I wasn't obviously as emotionally invested, but yeah, like sort of like how I was saying, like Napier is such, I called it nifty. I'll never get over that. Is a nifty city or like Wellington, but these places like are very bar. It's very much like a bar, happy, easy, walkable city is like fun to go out. And like, I mean, Auckland is bigger, but like even Auckland, like it almost like reminds me because almost like a crossbreed between San Francisco, but then also I feel like San Francisco isn't that easy to bar hop and these places are. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. I feel like San Francisco is hard or unless you're in the marina and you're yeah. basic. But I don't know. But yeah, there is like a whole foodie scene and like cocktail scene that is like very taken very, very, very seriously there. Which like I really take, a, I take cocktails extremely seriously. But you know, like even at, um, like when you we were in Wellington, um, or excuse me, I'm trying to remember the Hillside Kitchen. So basically like this place in um, Wellington that has like, you know, multi, it's like modern multicultural New Zealand food, but like a lot of the food, it's like, it's all about being like farm fresh, like literally from a really nearby farm. And then, yeah, just as, as I think all, I think that like also millennials have something to do, or maybe not, maybe it's Gen X with the, with the (laughs) tattooed sleeves of bartending, but whenever you're in a place now, do you know what I mean? Like it's a mix, it's no longer a bartender, it's a mixologist. But yeah, like I also really, really love New Zealand wine. And I really like, like, I don't even like, I don't like rosé. I don't really like red wine. It's, it's too, I don't know, but Sauvignon Blanc is like my Sprite. So I I was in heaven. But yeah, Wanaka has amazing restaurants. And then 
Auckland, I feel like I could have so much, I could have done so much more that I guess I jumped off a couple of buildings, but that's where I feel that travel though in a group. I know some people love to be like, I love to go to a restaurant by myself. And then I hate it. And I'm, and so maybe that goes against my epiphany of being like, I like my own company, but I don't like it. Cause like people are looking at me, then I got my notebook out. And then if the chef is talking to me about like a specific dish and people, do you know what I mean? Then it's like, then you can start, it's just, I don't know. I'd rather talk to someone else. And I don't, mm, I don't know. I like to be in a city with like at least one other wing person with me. You know what I'm saying? But, I, think that, I, I think that's pretty reasonable. You know, somebody can watch yeah. your back to, you know, look around and keep, you know, just having a different set of eyes around, you know, and, and sharing the yeah. experience. Well, I love humans and I love new people and new friends, but if someone is going to approach me in like a bar environment, my immediate response is always to be like, you know, like go away. But if they approach me in the middle of a field, if they approach me in the middle of an empty beach at sunset and there's only, I'll be like, oh, hi. And that doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I mean? Like a stranger should technically be more threatening when there are no other human beings around. And it's not even that I find it threatening. It's just my natural, it's just like my natural instinct is always to be like, go away, which I need to change. But yeah, New Zealand People always are like solo female travelers, blah, 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 because it is really safe and there is that fun nightlife energy and all the outdoorsy stuff. Maybe that's my goal is I should be comfortable. Do you guys ever get dinner by yourselves in restaurants? Do you enjoy it? I just... I, 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 I don't. I, I don't either. Yeah. I, I, no! You know, a, a lot of times when I go to a restaurant, if they have a bar and I'm by myself, yeah. I just go eat at the bar. Yeah, you People eat at the bar. Shame me. Other travelers will shame me and be like, why? That, why don't you like it? I'm like, I don't. I don't like it. And that's why it's so funny too. And usually when like you meet someone and if I vibe with someone and they're like, do you want to do this? I'm like, yes. Like I will hang out with you now the rest of the night. You got me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so. Do you have, have you ever, I don't want to say overstep your boundaries, but culturally we're so different here in the United States. Have you ever found yourself caught in a situation where you said something that offended someone um, inadvertently or lack of knowledge or whatever? No, I think that if you come with a question that's from a genuine place and you're interested in someone, then it's yeah. it's harder to have, it's really hard to offend in a way. Like I think that people okay. end up offending when they speak in a way that reveals their own maybe unconscious, but like subconscious, certainly like bias or it's like asking. Right. I think it's in the way you ask a question because I think I don't know if you talked about this, but I've got because I've been in situations where I'm the only person who's anything like me. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm the clear minority in a lot of times. And I just feel like if you're curious, kind and vulnerable, like people, people like you. And I, maybe this is I, my sister and I joke about my dad because my dad were like, he has no social anxiety. Like he's a man that doesn't like, he doesn't have any. So he's like, I love people and people love me. How great of a world is that to live in? But so he's sort of sort of guileless on that front. Do you know what I mean? Like, that people do sort of love him because he just is him. And, and people are like, well, how does that translate? But what I'm trying to say is that like, I am genuinely really curious about other people and I am under no illusions that other people are like secretly dying to be me. And I think that when you get into places where you're offending people is when you come in with this inner internalized thing of your superior or just because you live in New York, nobody wants to be me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, and that also comes to like, if you're like, 
being vulnerable. Like I sang my stupid Bruce Springsteen song. Then we talked about other stuff and then you share (laughs) something, you make fun of yourself. And also, I mean, I find that people like to talk about themselves. I've never made an assumption about someone, about someone's culture or backgrounds to, but then I also like, I've had really frank conversations. No, I haven't. But I think when I've observed other people being rude is when they either don't engage at all or they engage in a really removed way because they think that they're above it or better that, or somehow this other person's debasing them by even sharing their culture, which is like a whole other level. Or they'll ask a question in a rude way or such a way that they're dismissive and it sounds like they're not taking the other person's like humanity into account. And you can, it, it, you can do that with people who are of your own race and ethnic background and orientation. But I haven't. And I've thought, that's so funny. I'm rambling about this, but I've thought about that a lot because I feel like the, my success as a writer has really been on being able to make friends from all over the world and keeping those friends. And, and one thing I came to realize too was like, yeah, like you can embrace the difference. Like vive la difference. Like, do I love the fact that my cab driver from Jamaica, who I met however long ago, we're still in touch seven years later. Do you know what I mean? And he lives in, like, I'm also his random blonde American friend. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) To all these people around the world, they're like, oh my God, I met this absolute character. You know what I mean? Like just as much as I'm like fascinated with other people, other people are fascinated with you. I don't know. I just, I think I would not like to travel if I didn't like other people as much. Like it's always the people that make it. And so my advice to people is if you're going to ask, just like ask a lot of questions, make fun of yourself and don't be an asshole. Like the last bit is such an interesting part because I think that when there is some sort of, if there are socioeconomic differences or some sort of privilege differences with who's working and who's visiting and who's vacationing, don't be a jerk. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, cause mm-hmm. that's, you can build barriers. So it's that. Fantastic. Totally agree. Um, We skipped over Queenstown and I want to go back to it before we wrap up in in Auckland. Um, Give us the lay of the land of Queenstown. Um, uh, You know, I've heard this about it a lot from reading because like I said, Dave and I've never been. So, you know, what is Queenstown like? Just set that scene for us. I would say Queenstown is like, so you know how I was describing Wanaka? Mm-hmm. As being just like what you would think. I would say Queenstown is like Wanaka mixed with the city and more ocean. Like it's like, okay, actually I'm changing it now. Because I always see what my preconceived ideas of what a place looks like before I visit. And I always try to remember like what, what it was before I actually saw it. You know what I mean? I think most people think of Queenstown. You know, they think of those mountains on the water. It's like very beautiful. Definitely clubable. Like there's definitely like a going out scene and definitely a posh energy. But once you go to the South Island, there is a huge difference between North Island and South Island in terms of even though you're in a city, it's not like a city city. Like even driving around Queenstown, which I was doing after some Sauvignon Blanc, which was a struggle, but I needed some before I went bungee jumping. I felt I felt like I was in the woods. Do you know what I mean? And I was I was in the city. Like it's very, it's very, it's cool. It's pretty. I didn't spend as much time there because I went deeper into the wilderness. You know what I mean? Like I did more of my urban travel, like Auckland and Napier in the North Island. And I pretty much do fly into Queenstown, listen to my Taylor Swift song, went to this place like the Sherwood, which is like really pretty. It lo- overlooks Lake Wakatipu. And it's like in the Remarkable Range, which is like absolutely called, it's literally called the Remarkable Range. So like, I would say Queenstown is great if you want to do 
a mixture of like, I want to be in a four star or I want to be in like, I want to be able to go out at night and like bar hop, but I also want to go and like explore because it, Wanaka was only a couple hours away as well. But that is where AJ Hackett, AJ Hackett Bungie, he's a New Zealand dude who pretty much invented like, and that's where I did my jump. And yeah, that was, I'm between Queenstown and Auckland, like Auckland feels like a city city. Like people all over Australia are like, oh, like if you're from Auckland, you're pretty much a New Yorker. You know what I mean? And I don't know what our equivalent of Queenstown would be in the US. I don't think we have it, but Queenstown is the biggest urban one of the bigger urban-esque centers. Is this the region where I saw, I watched a video of you that looks like, I think you were bungee jumping, but it looks like you were shot out of a cannon. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That video will be posted on our website, by the way. I'm just giving you a fair warning. Since you sent it to me, I'm using it. (laughs) People, so Pure New Zealand, the Tourism Bureau, wanted my Instagram stories. Like I saved them and I sent them like a two-hour long movie. So I was like, I can't, cause like, I really shoot from the hip when I'm traveling. Like I'm actually working on, um, doing some content marketing for a travel agency and I'm working on like the Maldives and their Maldives that the, what I'm creating for their Maldives story versus what I put up. It's like you versus the guy, your girlfriend told you not to worry about. It's like ratchet versus, but yeah, I don't know how I got to Instagram, but yeah, that was a big hit on Instagram. That's why you should do AJ Hackett because it like literally they record everything for you, which is what you want. If you're going to put your life in peril, you might as well have some receipts. <laughs> 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 you are oh, so wow. good. You are good. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it. I can't wait to like, to, and I love New Zealand and taking the notes for this trip. I was like, I just have so much more to write about this trip. I'm excited to like be able to also travel again and have like a fresh, like fresh art. You know what I mean? Like it all comes back, but I'm excited to talk about the Maldives too. Cause I'm like, I just went, I, I got it all, you know? <laughs> for those of you who are listening the Maldives is our July episode with Catherine. So stay tuned for that. A little preview. Uh, she just got back by the way, post COVID, not pre COVID. This is a fresh trip. She's only been back home for about two weeks. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Follow us next month on on the Maldives piece. Um, tell me a little bit uh, before we wrap up in Auckland. Tell me a little bit about the journey just to get to New Zealand. Because I, it, for me, when I went to Fiji, for example, it's a twelve and a half hour flight from LAX. New Zealand's further. <laughs> it's just like how long were you on that plane? <laughs> oh, I loved it. It's chill. I honestly, here's the thing: you can get on Air New Zealand's like premium economy, which is a life-changing situation. You're comfortable and it's just a direct flight. Like I actually found the the flight pattern to like the Maldives to be more strenuous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's like that was like, well, number one, I'm still I am obsessed with maps and I'm so confused by like how the how New Zealand felt like an easier trip to me than that. My muscles are, you know, I'm out of shape with traveling, but you fly to Texas. So many random people were on my flight from Texas to New Zealand on a random Tuesday. I'm like, this is a market I didn't know existed. Like, I'm here for it. And then I just feel like, because it's a longer haul flight, I love I love Air New Zealand. They give you wine. Every non-American airline, essentially, is like, you want an, a fifth glass of wine, fall asleep, great, here you go. I found it was really easy. I found, I found it was chill. I think it's coming back can be harder. But like, I remember going 
when I was flying back from Australia and I done and I was really dumb and didn't say New Zealand, I had to go I was like Australia, New Zealand, California, New York. But going from going to New Zealand just direct, I don't think is bad. I'm saying this because I also would rather have one long flight than like break it up a bunch of times. Yeah. And this, no. how far is it? How long is that flight? Maybe I'm just a freak. I'm actually going to research it right now. Yeah, I'm flight sitting here because right, right, yeah. And, and the follow up question Zealand. I was going to ask you while you research that is it's 5 15 a.m. in New Zealand right now and it's 10 15 a.m. Pacific Coast time. So that's what, uh, uh, like, do the math, Dave, for me. 20 hours difference in time or yeah. something like that plus, <laughs> plus a day. How did your, I mean, I've, Traveled all over the world, so adjusting to different time zones doesn't bother me all that much. But I know some people just get serious jet lag, either coming or going. I was fine. I have to be honest. I don't know why. I think when you shock the body, sometimes the body adjusts. Do you know? What I mean? It's a 19-hour flight, by the way. It's a 19-hour yeah. flight. <laughs> LOL. What? I'm like, oh, it's not, I, but it, really, it's not bad. Get premium economy. Get premium economy. You have space. Like, I feel like if you've, I don't know, for me, at least I'm like, I'm living here for a day. It's, you can adjust. Um, I actually felt fine because, and here's why, like the place, I wonder what the difference is between China and New York. Cause that was the area that I had the worst jet lag where it was like struggle for me. And that's 12 hours. China's 12 hours out of New York. Having that exact sort of difference was harder for me than New Zealand, it's like a whole other day, a whole other lifetime. Do you know what I mean? I felt completely fine. But in terms of jet lag, like, I think that you need to just like, I hate people being like, drink a lot of water. Don't drink alcohol on the flight. Exercise. No, no, no. Get the pills. Do you know what I mean? Like, get the things to make you fall asleep when you're supposed to fall asleep. Get NyQuil. Drink a million coffees. Get a get a four loco. Like, I feel like, I feel like you just have to trick your body. And if you... Yeah. And I like try to game it out. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm like, like Maldives to New York, I think is 12 hours. I felt nothing weirdly. I think that like for me, when I've had serious jet lag is when I went, I went New York, Las Vegas, Seattle, China. And then in China, I was just like, I mean, I was so invigorated to be in China. It was amazing, but that was a little struggle. Like I had to, I had to go to bed one night early. I felt dizzy. I felt like I was going to throw up like that's jet lag and then i went from there to new york for a day and then i went to nairobi and that first night in nairobi dizzy but it hasn't happened since but i wonder i don't know what it was have <laughs> you guys gotten that i feel like that i've i've never really had serious jet lag for some reason i don't know why oh. yeah I, I had a bag I, I when i was in the air force this goes back to the 1980s uh i went to south korea yeah. and it was a 17 hour flight and I was there, I was a computer programmer during my military days, and I was there to teach computer programming in a classroom environment to the South Korean military folks. And the first day I was fine. The second day, Catherine, it was two o'clock in the afternoon in South Korea time. I'm standing at the chalkboard writing some instructions down, and I'm no. like, I started to fade. My boss had to run over and grab yep. me, hitting the floor. I was so tired. It caught up to me, but it took two days. <laughs> but didn't you feel kind of just sick? Like you just felt yeah. weirdly sick because that happened. And then I forgot right after Kenya, I went to um, Arizona and Texas. And one of those days, one of those nights, I was like, I just gotta, I gotta lie down. It's weird, but that was one trip. That was a two week span. And then maybe my body was like, all right, if you're going to treat me with absolutely no respect, I'm just not going to abide by normal biological rhythms, you know, but, right. and I find since, but I have to say New Zealand isn't bad. It's more like you just swallow a day. 
Like I remember landing and being like, I can't believe it's this day. Where was that day? And when I flew home the first time, it was 4th of July for me for like 60 hours, you know? So it's, it's at least because it is like just, it's 21 hours in advance. Like it's not, it's, if you think about it that way, it's only a three hour difference. Right. And, right. and that was the same thing that I experienced in Fiji. They were, they were uh, uh, plus a day and four hours. So it was yeah, like, I was basically, nothing. it was basically like staying up a, a couple extra hours yeah. at night for the adjustment. Yeah. And I had no problem coming back home because I fell right back into that day. plus. If it's anything close to 24 hours, you, you hardly feel the difference. Yeah. yeah. And I love it because then I'm like, oh, I've got an extra day for my deadlines. I mean, I felt crazy. Right. New Zealand's right. a wrinkle in time. Yeah. Yep. All right, Catherine, we're going to wrap up uh, a little bit here with finishing in Auckland. Uh, and the first thing I'm going to tell you about is that jump. I had heart palpitations watching you get all bungeed up and jump off that building. Uh, <laughs> I think it was the Sky Tower. Skywalk. Yes, oh, that's Skywalk. the Sky Tower. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I saw you. And you were just as cool as the other side of the pillow, to steal a phrase from Stuart, uh, the late Stuart <laughs> Scott from Sports Center. Um, I mean, you were just like, Dave, Dave, I don't know if you've seen the video, but she's being all hooked up. She's just having a conversation. She's waving at the cameras. She's 600 oh and something God. feet up in the air. And she has not a damn care in the world. I'm like, Catherine, are you nuts? She gets out to the edge and she's hanging off the uh, edge like this. And she doesn't care. Catherine <laughs> is a daredevil now. Come on. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to tell you, like, in New Zealand, if you, like, that's, you know, crab cakes and football, what Maryland does, bungee jumping and glaciers what new zealand does i'm like this is what you know this is a this is an operation here i don't know it is funny it's weird i think that also i was like i want to be scared and i wasn't so now i'm like i don't know what will i think skydiving i know what i have to do that i think will scare me and this is this is just you should hope this happens for me i really want to go scuba diving with orcas in in norway with orcas really Yes, mm. that's something you can do. And I think that will terrify me. I'm obsessed with them. They don't attack humans in the wild. But can you imagine being under the water with something like that? No. Especially an animal that smart. That Yes, that. I love them. I watched Free Willy on my plane. This is why I like long planes. Like my plane ride home from Doha was 13 hours. I watched Free Willy. I watched Frozen 2. I was like a 12-year-old with rum. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's a But yeah, Auckland. It's a sky to it's it is I have to say like it is a thing to do that in New Zealand. It's like you know what I mean? It's a cultural experience. So if you have any interest, do it. They make you feel really safe. You get to wear like I'm all about the I like anything that requires like a a, a costume, a uniform. So like I like ATVing if you're gonna like put me, you know, I like to be like up in the Arctic if I'm gonna be in like a big sleeping bag. At Skywalk, they give you, they gave me this like, I looked like a Power Ranger, this like red, blue, and yellow suit for when I was jumping, this orange suit for when I was walking. I'm like, I don't know how these colors are going to like help me not fall off the side of a building, but <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, you're looking over the edge and the guy says, you're going to land there with that X's and you didn't even have a care in the world. You're just like, okay. Yeah. I was, well, I was like, because I wanted to jump. I was like, I feel I'm secure. I okay, this but here's the thing. I thought I could fly when I was a kid. And I think a lot of kids do think that they're secretly capable of something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like I and I remember just being like, I could fly, I just haven't gotten enough air yet. And I would like share this with my sister. Like, I just haven't like I haven't launched myself off something high enough for like my flight to kick in. And I made her sit on like the side on the deck, my parents' old house, and I jumped off the side porch and I landed on the deck like with a thud. And we had this au pair who I love, Yelena, was like, 
screaming. They were like, you cannot fly. And I'm like, now this has become like a, you know. I believe I can. Yeah, I know. I was about to sing that. And I was like, yeah, R. Kelly, man. For me to do bungee jumping, you have to put me in the best leak-proof pampers for me to do that. <laughs> no, you would be fine. <laughs> I have to tell you, the first time would be scary. The second time, no. Like, I thought I was going to die in Japan. You would be able to do it. You'd do it. <laughs> in Japan, I thought I was jumping to my death. That is truly how I thought. I was like, no. you know? Convinced. <laughs> I mean, I've jumped out of airplanes before, but for some reason, what you did in New Zealand looked a little scarier than jumping from 12,500 feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But were you attached? I really want to skydive. I really want to skydive. I, I, well, the first time I, I did it twice, the first time I did it was a tandem jump. The second time was by myself. Was it how, but so jumping out of the plane by yourself, was that terrifying? Um, it was only because I was dependent upon my own skill set at that point. You know, you, when you're a tandem jumper, you have an expert yeah. who's with you. And they're basically controlling the parachutes and stuff like that. The second time I did it, and I remember because I packed my own parachute and I packed the backup parachutes. Then I took them home with me because I did not want anybody to mess with it. If I was going to die, I was going to die of my own accord. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so the guy looked at me and says, where are you going with those shoes? I said, they're going home. They're going to my house. I'll bring them back tomorrow when we jump. And I did. I took them home and we jumped in Florida. I took them home, had them sitting in my room. And I, I remember my roommate looked at me and says, what are those? I said, parachutes. And then I saw him look kind of mischievously at them. I said, so I took him and put him in the bed with me. I didn't want anybody to touch those shoots. No. I, did you, there's a Netflix series called Who Killed Sarah, which is about parasailing. But oh, yeah. We, we've, been, we've been watching it. Yes, me too. I feel like I'm the only one who's been watching it. I'm happy no, you guys I, have I, I, I binge watched the, both the first two seasons I've but, already binge watched. <laughs> I still don't know who did it. No, I have an idea of who did it. I mean, uh, because I think how far along are you? I don't want to ruin it for I'm you. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I've seen oh. everything. I can see. Because I thought the little guy who died in the hospital, he was the one that did it and was put up to it by the lady, uh, the wife of uh, yeah. the Lascano's wife. I forgot yeah. her name. Um, but um, yeah, I thought that they did it. But then the storyline kind of did a twist and said, eh, no, she really didn't do it. It's so weird. I think that maybe Chima is bad because he's so nice. Yeah, he could be. Yep, totally agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so we've been trying. I'm waiting for season three. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but we, that we. is more daredevilish than that is scary to jump off and be able to control your parachute. Yeah. You are a daredevil. I would do a tandem. I would do a tandem. I guess. I mean, it's just, the opportunity has not arisen. You know. Mm -hmm. I want it to. Mm -hmm. Maybe. One We'll we'll we'll, we'll figure we'll, we'll get you on one somewhere. My son did one about a year and a half ago, but then he became a father and he quit doing it. So um, that was the end of that. <laughs> and he that's took his fair. wife with him. So, uh, but she's only about five foot two. So her her and that's the other thing too. Tandem jumping for me at six foot four, I'm probably bigger than the guy I'm tandem jumping with. So it's like you know, come on, dude. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what else did you do in Auckland besides jump off uh, tall buildings with the, in a single bound? Auckland is where I had my religious experience when I went to Piha Beach, which changed my life. I've never, I've never felt, I just felt like it was insane. I, it's probably how people feel when they take ecstasy or something, but better because it was all natural. But my friend had messaged me and I was like, I had an awakening and he was like, Jesus, Allah or Alanis. And I was like, Alanis. <laughs> and then driving, and then I drove home listening to like, I had like a very like 90s rock, like Alanis Morissette, Melissa Etheridge energy. It was transcendental. I mean, I'm, I'm 
encouraging readers to rent a car, drive there and do the same thing. But beyond that, if you're in the city, Giappo is like the best ice cream I've ever had in my life. And it's like work of art. It's like they have ice cream that looks like a lot. Like there's an ice cream that would look like a lobster. Like it's like those Philip Cheesy hats or those famous hats, but an ice cream. And I say at the SF Sofitel, which is like, I know we talked about, I don't love like big resorts, but I actually, well, partially because I love the people who work there, but I felt like I was in some sort of like disco-y sex dungeon, but not really sex oriented, but like, it looked like a nightclub. My room was a nightclub. Like it was cool looking though. It was like a lot of black and like overlooking the city. But that's where I was like, I want a friend to come over and pregame with me. You know, I ended up being too productive in Auckland. I feel I didn't get to explore it as much as the other places just because I had a little bit more free time towards the end of the trip. And I'm like, I have to go back. So that's why I jumped off everything the next day. I was like, I've got to like really go for it. Oh, you, you did a good job with that. And I like the Sofitel brand, by the way. They seem to always, I stayed at one in Fiji. It was a brand new property. I was the first one that ever stayed in my room. And, but they always seem to design their properties in such a way that it blends in with the local. Um, yes. I, I appreciated that about that. But uh, anyway, yeah. my dear, we have kept you long enough. Dave, uh, you got any uh, last second questions for Catherine? Yes, I just, uh, well, pretty much I just wanted to answer. How, how, how would you sum up your trip to New Zealand, that entire experience? Adventurous, adventurous exploratory it's really it's really lame to call something like revelatory but for me it really was at the time partially because partially just I don't know obviously you risk I don't want to overly glorify the New Zealand government for all that but like it is fast it was fascinating to me and when you're saying that have you ever like accidentally offended people who are different from you when you're talking to them and like I don't know. I felt like I was really interested in learning more about Maori culture. And I just, it was wonderful to see like the government funding these important places. Like, you know what I mean? Like Kapiti Island is insanely beautiful. Like it's, I'm trying to describe what it looks like. It's, it's very, so this island is not like an island. It's like this like huge mountain that comes up from the sea. So you've got like a little like white beaches and palm trees and then this insane and you hike up and the water is like this, the water is like the color of Hawaii it was more turquoisey versus the, yeah. do you know what I'm talking about? Like, a, but it was that rich blue and all these crazy birds. And then you go into the house and they're like, Oh, come in, have lunch. Like, and it's like, I wish like, it was just cool that it was like, okay, this is like a historic Island. Like this family has been living here. And then, you know, you just learn more about the history. And I'm like, and it just seems like so much more of a productive and interesting and healthy way of living with other people. That was just really revelatory to me. And then I had my whole theory. I was like, well, it's because humans got there like 300 million years earlier. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, New Zealand is very special in that sense, in the sense that it's not, because I think at the end of the day, like Maori culture is New Zealand culture. And there isn't like that big fight, just as Native American culture is American culture. Do you know what I mean? But we don't, but yeah. So that, and then also just like the sheer spectacle of the wildness that's there, because it is close to it is so close to Antarctica. You know, you have to think about where it is in the world. It's so out. It's so out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so you have these animals that didn't exist anywhere else. And like, you've also got this landscape that just doesn't really make sense existing anywhere else. You know, like, wow. it's great. Cre- it's very, and people are really nice. Really, really nice. Um, I, yeah. So for, I guess I would call it adventurous or I don't know. I can't, I'm trying to think adventurous. 
Cause I was, uh, that also was a trip where I was like, I'm doing me, I'm on, I'm road tripping, I'm flying all around, like I'm exploring, I'm on the road. And I also don't love driving all the time, partially because I don't want to be responsible for where I have to go. Like I want someone else to like, I don't have a great sense of direction all the time, but it was fun. I think driving in New Zealand is one of the best ways to see, driving in general is one of the best ways to see a country, but it's one of the best ways to really appreciate it there because it's like this little tunnel of trees would be like, this would be an Instagram hotspot in like America in Maryland, but here it's just like a little freeway. So definitely recommend it and definitely gain it with like, do the multi-island stops. And I just find with places like New Zealand, China, Kenya, Nepal, like all these great places, people are like, well, I need to do it right. I need two weeks. You don't like, you're never going to have two weeks. Like if you've like been putting something off saying you need, like you can experience things in a week. You can ex- like, don't wait for the perfect time to go somewhere you want to go because there's never enough time to see everything you want to see it. So I would just, I would just do it. And even if you only have a week, you can do it. As we mentioned, there's no jet lag. You just hit the ground running. Before I uh, say goodbye, uh, I just want to, uh, as regards to New Zealand travel, New Zealand has been one of the safest places in the world in the COVID era. Um, part of it is their isolation, but their government has really stringent measures in terms of who they're letting into the country even now. But I, from what I understand, there is some pre-planning going on as we speak to get the country opened up a little bit to outside tourism again. So if you want a answer to when you can travel, how you can travel and the protocols that are in place, NewZealand.com has all that. They've got a big banner right at the top of the page about how to travel in the COVID world to New Zealand and what the requirements are. There are certain countries that will not allow you to fly uh, into because they are having massive outbreaks right now. So if you're going to go to New Zealand and listen to all the uh, and go to all the great places Catherine just discussed, plan ahead because uh, it's going to take you a little bit of time to navigate that. But they will be open soon based on what I just read about an hour ago. So uh, I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. And with that being said, Catherine, thanks for doing this again. Uh, We're looking forward to your Maldives next month. Yay. Thank you. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Your drinks are on you, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And uh, we've been talking to Catherine Parker Magyar, our adventure travel guru, our world traveler, my dear sister. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, on behalf of Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long and we'll see you next time on another episode of TripCast 360.